experience the ripple effect. This is the Empowering Youth Podcast from Building Utah Youth. A nonprofit organization established in 2007 to provide powerful leadership training to the youth of our communities. And now, here's your host, by board member, co-owner of Rapport International and certified trainer, Brett Johnston. Hello and welcome back to the Empowering Youth Podcast. I'm Brett Johnston. And I'm Jeff Gatano. We're uh, missing JJ Chernowski this week. He's uh, away out of state, right? He's on a daring adventure, I'm sure. But very much missed JJ. So uh, unfortunately, you're not here for what's probably going to be my favorite podcast episode ever. Yeah, Jeff, this has been something you've been thinking about for a while. And I know that it's so special and near and dear to your heart because it's a big piece of who you are. And and often during the podcast, you've been so quick to chime in with, you know, how it relates to your family and and things you have going on in your life. So why don't you take a minute and introduce the rest of our guests? We're going to get a little raw and real and talk about our journey tonight. And to my right. Hi, I'm Zen. I'm 24 years old. What's up, guys? Um, I'm Dane. Um, I'm 17. Hi, I'm Olivia, and I'm 20. And I've been to the Teen Leadership Breakthrough class as well as the Eagle Quest. Eagle Quest. What's your warrior name? It was Feeling Owl. Feeling Owl. I love that name. Mm-hmm. It, it suits her. I'll share an experience, a short one. Um, just this last few weeks, it was my first day back on campus. And this is my first kind of in-person one in a while. And I noticed the teacher was just asking lots of questions. No one was brave enough to like answer the questions. So I was the one answering the whole time. Everything I do, I'm always thinking about all the experiences I had in these classes and they pushed me to be more of a leader in everything I do. And step out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And step out because sometimes I don't want to answer the teacher either, but I'm like, Mm. oh, I got to. Let's let's meet mom. My name's Abby and I have not been through any of the classes. (laughs) All in due time. I kind of feel like that's why they wanted me here tonight. (laughs) Yeah. Before we came, she's like, I don't think I really need to be there. (laughs) Yeah, because mom doesn't have that much to do with the family. No, but I can tell you this. It has impacted our family dynamic tremendously. Let's kind of roll back to the beginning when we all first met. Because I think that that's an important part along the journey and some of the things that we experienced in the early days of being together. You know, Abby and I met clear back in the days of MySpace. Abby's mom, disguised as her, sent me a message on MySpace and we started talking. I thought it was her. We ended up talking a lot more and meeting on a, what does uh, Dad Whitaker say on a random Sunday afternoon at Iggy's, Iggy's, which is no longer around anymore. And we sat and had lunch and either one of us barely touched our food. So how long ago was that? was 2008. So in 2008, so 13 years ago, 14 years ago this year. So you guys think about your, your life and you guys just shared how old you are. And, and listening back to that, you know, 14 years ago, you guys can remember 14 years ago. I'm sure you remember this time in your lives pretty well. You know, what was going on in your lives? Um, I was known as the crazy kid when Jeff came in, you know. Um, I was the kid that they had put in the, the laundry basket and they'd throw me down the stairs. I was always known as that kid. Um, but I always remember Jeff coming over and it was like, you know, who's this guy? But now, like, I remember I would always get excited when he came over and I was a kid. 
Movie nights. I remember yeah. a lot of movie nights, a lot of popcorn. Jeff's a big popcorn guy. It was probably a little bit different, I think we could all say, yeah. for Dane than it was for you or even Olivia because Dane was so young. The first memory I remember of Jeff was him coming in this huge black puffer jacket and he had <laughs> such strong cologne on. I still remember the smell. And then I walked out and there was this big van that said 971ZHT and I thought he was just famous and I got to go inside of it. And I was so excited for that. And that first weekend that we met, it was Super Bowl Sunday. And I came up in the ZHT expedition. Mm, I remember that. And I had uh, TJ that did middays for us. It was snowing like crazy. And I get to the front door of Abby's townhome in Tremont. And she opens the door and these three kids are standing there with her. All I could think of was, I hope this goes well. I hope these kids like me. And they did. You know, here we are. That was the start of the Andersons and the Gitanos. Yeah. Yeah. And something else about Jeff is you listen and he came in the door with three kids and all he was trying to do is impress us. Like, I don't ever think that a thought went through Jeff's head like, oh no, this woman has three kids and I have to help raise. I did. (laughs) Uh, Something really great about Jeff and how I really appreciate how he's parented is that he's never took the role of our blood dad or anything like that because all of us are super close to him. He's always been super respectful about everything, great with advice. He gives us advice, but he never tells us what to do, I feel like, because he doesn't want to like overstep anything. If you're the single guy coming in with three kids, that's pretty intimidating. And to know if you're going to raise them right or if you're going to make my mom mad if you say something but Jeff always did so great with all of that and I always worried about that it was quite a turn of events living on my own for as long as I did Um, how old were you at this time Jeff 37 and I'm gonna get a little raw and real for you here I think the only person I've ever talked to about this was Abby I don't even know if I've told the kids about this when I was single, you know, I dated. It wasn't the easiest thing in the world, but none of them ever really worked out. And all I ever wanted was this. And I prayed and prayed so hard and said that. I remember talking to the Lord and saying how much love I felt I had to give if I could just get the chance to have a family like this. And it happened. He gave them to me. And I truly, truly believe that deep down inside. And we were just talking about this earlier. Live on the drive over here, Olivia was asking me, are you in work mode? Because I'm not smiling a lot. And I got a lot, you know, going going on at the office now. I had two people in the same department quit on me last week. And I said, Why? She said, Because you're not smiling. So she can tell, you know, when the edges are rough. I think so much about you, Abby, at this very moment in time and, you know, the courage, you're, you're single mom, three kids and, you know, your mom steps out on MySpace with your profile. <laughs> and, and I know that, you know, moms, they just want us to be happy and they want us to be loved and they want to take care of us. And that's what she was doing. Right. But how, how did that feel for you at the time? I mean, it had to be scary. Yeah, I was actually upset. I'm like, he is not going to want to date me. I have three small kids. Who is going to want to date me with three small kids? 
they they were always great kids, pretty mellow, never they weren't crazy kids, but I just was so nervous. And at that point in my life, I was like, you know what? I'm going to I just bought my town home. I'm just going to raise my three kids here and my mom's down the street. She helped me tend the kids when I had I was working two jobs at the time. And I was set, you know, I was good. And then Jeff comes into my life and throws a curveball. Yeah, big time. And it was it was overnight. I mean, she and I met, I think it was in the beginning of 2008. We were in Mexico and I said, let's get married. And it scared the Ah. living crap out of her. Yeah, I've got a five month marriage from when I met Jamie to when we actually got married was five months. And it's crazy how fast that transition can happen from not really thinking there is somebody to there's somebody and it's not just somebody it's, it's that person that you want to spend the rest of your life with. You know, I know that I didn't open a door and, and see three young kids knowing where you're coming from on that, Jeff. I mean, that's, that's a big, big thing knowing that you were praying for that and asking for that. And it was given you guys didn't have to receive Jeff the way you did. You know, it's not tough to have your parents split up and balancing back and forth between mom's house and dad's house and back to mom's house and back to dad's house. And, you know, for lots of people, they're not lucky enough that that even happens. Right. Just, just on the note of bouncing back and forth, because I was going to talk about that, you know, I'm just wondering how much of that you remember from back then processing the whole thing, your mom and I meeting and getting married overnight, because I remember getting settled in to our new house, moving down from Tremont and down to, to North Ogden, mom and dad being separated, your dad being still living up there. And I remember times where you guys would go with your dad and then you'd come home, we'd have crying episodes or you'd be upset. Do you remember much? I do. Yeah. It was a, it was a big change in Wardale, especially moved down to Ogden. Um, I had all my buddies in Tremont and when we were living there. Then we moved down here. It was an adjustment, but I met one of the one of my best friends that I still have to this day. Oh, Preston Gladwell. We love Preston. Uh, yeah, we built this house down here. It was different. You know, you'd be having to pack your bags for a whole weekend, go stay with your dad, and you'd have to come back home. You know, do the same thing every single weekend. But I'm glad that everything worked out the way it did. I'm grateful for Jeff and grateful for my family. Dane, how about you? Because your mom and I have talked about this a lot along the way. You were so young. You don't know me as anything else. I was, you know, your second dad. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember a little bit just going back and forth. I just remember always packing my bags for the weekend, going to see my dad. And then I'd always look forward to going home and watching movies and eating popcorn. (laughs) That's what we did back then. But once we got settled in, in North Ogden, and you started to make your friends, Mm -hmm. you guys settled in and loved it. Except for just the normal preteen stuff. Must be talking about Liv. What are you saying? <laughs> Just the preteen girl stuff that you had to deal with. But it was like a springboard once we got all settled in in that first house over in Country Fields. Um, the kids started to meet friends. As soon as Zen met Preston, Abby met Stacy Gladwell. Went down an entirely different road. I mean, she was always into fitness, but yeah, that's about just been a, that was a shift. <laughs> just that about. was a defining moment meeting Stacy. Yeah, we were riding home from Basin, and we were talking about bodybuilding competitions and how we both wanted to do one. 
she ended up stepping on stage before me. And then I started maybe a year after her. So yeah, that's what I tell my kids. I says, I don't need to go to these classes. I've been on stage basically naked. I'm good. <laughs> but that was a, a life-changing period for you because look what it's led to. How many years and uh, of competitions and now what you do with Pro Physiques on a daily six, basis? Six years of competing and I'm going on two years working as an assistant coach to my trainer. Working with athletes from all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. So as you guys think back to this time, and I know that it's looking way back, I want you guys to start hitting the fast forward button a little bit. You remember in class when we'd have you do the closed eye visualization process and you'd think back to those moments in your life when maybe you weren't the nicest or the arguments and things like that. And the reason why we talk about that in class is just because, you know, if we don't talk about them, then we don't ever really own them. And if we don't ever really own them, then we kind of carry them around. Hit the fast forward button, you know, your, your mom meets Jeff, and then 11 minutes later, they get married. And then 11 minutes later, you move to North Ogden, right into a new house and new friends. And, and then, you know, that's when I'm sure you guys can start remembering things a little bit faster because we talked about this before we started tonight that, you know, it, when you guys think back that far, it feels like, you know, lifetimes ago, but for your mom and Jeff, that's just a few minutes ago, really. You know, that's why it's so vividly clear to them, all these things. And you guys, you know, have a hard time remembering some things, but I want you to think about how was your relationship with each other, your relationship with your dad and how you really made that work because kids can often uh, be the instigators in, in playing what I call some parent games. You know what I'm talking about, where it's easy to play one parent against the other one. And, and you guys and, ever done that? Probably the boys more than anyone. Yeah, it was like mom said no, and then you go to Jeff, and it was like, yeah, that's fine. And it was like, oh, perfect, thanks. Because, <laughs> Jeff, yeah, Jeff never said no. It was awesome. That never happens. That only happened for so long, and I guarantee that doesn't happen today. No, no. No, but how, how was your, you know, as, as far as, you know, in school and the friends and the new, the new things going on in your life, what was happening? To be honest, me and my dad kind of lost our relationship a little bit through there and so I was with my mom more often and with the divorce thing my dad's still not married so it was always hard for me I'm super picky about the girl that I want my dad to be with so I'd always have a huge opinion about everything which made it even more difficult I still have to block out those feelings I'm like dad you're so awesome you can do this I want you to find this person and I'll but anyway I knew I'd wanted to strengthen my relationship with my dad a lot and one of my visual, how do you say that word? Visually, visually, visualizations, yeah, that word um, during rapport. It was just, I stepped back and looked to my relationship with my dad. I'd say out of the divorce, this is probably my hardest thing that I struggled with. I just looked at the love more than anything and how much he loved me and how he would do anything for me and how oftentimes like I am putting up these two high of expectations and Divorce was hard for my dad, too, and obviously your parents don't always get along after, and with the child support, it's, like, stressful for us kids. I don't know why I was always stressed about money. At my dad's house, I always thought it was so dirty because it was all boys. 
I would have to be like cooking while they're in the shop and I'd be <laughs> like, gosh, this is boring. And I always felt like my dad kind of had more of a connection to the boys. During rapport, I went on that mental thing where I was like, this is, this is how it is and this is how my dad and brothers are and I love them so much and I need to do better to be there for my dad and do the things with him and accept who he wants to be with. And I feel like by the end of high school, I had finally been able to communicate to my dad better and re-strengthen our relationship. I started going over there way more and I ended up starting like a little small business. He built me this little table in the corner of the shop because they're always out in the shop working on the dirt bikes. Uh, so I got to make rings while they were making the dirt bike kits. Yeah. So um, then I was able to be in the shop with my dad all the time, communicate. And that was my biggest struggle with the divorce was just my relationship with my dad slipping away. But then after a poor, I was able to step back from my own self and my own thoughts. And I made that change. And now I'm feeling much happier with all those relationships. But yeah, when I was going to um, in grade school and I was still like in elementary school, I bet Olivia remembers this. I like every single morning I would always just have like a little breakdown and just start crying for some reason, because either if I was at my mom's house, I'd be missing my dad. Or if I was at my dad's house, I'd be missing my mom for some reason. And I'd go crying to Olivia like every single morning. And that I just, that was, I remember that going through school. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was hard. And I always felt like I was kind of like your mom at dad's house yes. and stuff. And was always helping you, even with your, your outfits. You guys both would come up to me, Liv, does this look okay? Do I match? And I'm like, yeah, you look good. You That's because most men are colorblind. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember it being that tough for me. I mean, it was just because it was so far away. And I, when I was at my dad's house, I enjoyed it. Um, from sunup to sundown, I was riding my dirt bike or doing whatever that way. So when I came down to my mom's house, we were in the city, so you can really do that. So it changed up a lot, but I didn't have that much troubles with it. I mean, maybe they might say otherwise, but I don't remember that much troubles. And how old are you today, Zen? I'm 24. Yeah. So at 24, what happens between 18 and 24 is we forget a lot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess I forgot a lot. Yeah. Because that's a whole another lifetime. Yeah. But you guys, you know, obviously you still get to spend a lot of time with your dad. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. And dirt bikes has definitely been a staple in the family. Yes. But you never got Olivia to ride a dirt bike. No, she, no, she, does. she does. Does she? Yeah. Uh-huh. I can do that. Yeah. You can ride the dirt bike. You I just don't want to, you don't want to work on them. But and, now I, I regret it because I'm like, man, that'd be so cool if I could fix a dirt bike. And Dane can do it from taking it completely apart and putting yeah. it back together, huh? He's doing, doing it right now with his, with his bike. Looks amazing so far. But I was going to say, you know, their dad, um, the great thing about him, he and I have always had such unbelievable respect for each other. The back and forth I knew was hard enough. Getting resituated and comfortable in their shoes was hard enough with the new situation. I always watched that I didn't go over the line. I always remembered those movies or shows we would watch where the stepdad would push it too far and the kid would go, you're not my dad. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And you get into those confrontations. And so I never wanted it to be like that. It was yeah. a little strange for me because I didn't want to overstep the boundaries, if that makes sense. And that's one of those rapport gifts. I know that Zen, you went to class first. Yes, I did. In the family. Uh-huh. And, and you were how old? Oh, 
15, I want, 16? I, yeah, 15 or 16. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's a lifetime ago. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. In high school, early in high school, no driver's license, maybe just got it, something got like it, that. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I want you to think about, you know, when you guys moved to North Ogden, you know, you were also leaving when you were leaving those things, you were leaving your dad. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so for him, you know, I guarantee you, Dane, when you're talking about in the mornings being upset when you were at, mom's house that you weren't with dad and he he had those same feelings guaranteed you know that's a big big thing that happens and still making the most of it though right the the time we have together and that's one thing we start to recognize it is not the really the quantity of time it's the quality of time we spend with people but you know as you think back to 15 16 years old being the first person in the family how did you uh get signed up to go to team leadership breakthrough well, and I'm trying to remember, uh, how did you get the opportunity? Was it the Preston that nominated you? No, it was, I think it was Stacy, wasn't it? The Badwells. I remember when Zen went, me and Dane always looked up to Zen like he was the coolest person ever. We still do. And Zen is so talented and everything. We watched Zen go step up there and then little Daner, I don't even know how old he was. I remember was. this. Yeah, this I is the coolest too. moment ever. Dane At the graduation. Up, yeah, he had... He kind of didn't know, he was too young to really understand, but he, he got it. He stood up, was bawling, and he was like, I don't really know what this is, but I just love you so much. And it was the cutest thing in the world. That's one of the um, most beautiful parts yeah. of graduations. And that's why I'm so thankful that today we put so much you know, focus on capturing as much of that as we can, just because there's so many little moments that you know you'd never forget the rest of your life i mean i guarantee you'll never forget little dinner no no standing never. up and, and and just telling you how he felt yeah you know so that set the bar for me and dane we were just excited because we saw our older brother doing rapport so that me and dane were pretty excited about it what did you learn when you went to rapport what was that experience like because obviously if they're that excited about it it was because of how you showed up because it, yeah. it, it can't be just a graduation. Um, the biggest one for me was opening up a lot. Um, you know, like when you're that young too, you're kind of timid. It really helped me open up in big crowds, you know, helped me talk to people a lot better. The one thing I always get the feeling too, um, especially when Dane went through this class, I still remember the feeling when I was up there and Dane stood up and started just right when I saw that little kid stand up, I just started bawling because I was like, he is my little brother. That's um, a testament to the relationship that you guys yeah. have together because that, I wouldn't say it started back then. No, but I just, I, it, it came to the realization of what it actually meant, the bond that we actually had that you, when I finished the class, it was unreal. Yeah. Zen and Dane are the bestest of friends. They leave every day to either go to uh, Maverick to get a Coca-Cola Slurpee or today they went to Walmart to get some Orby guns. <laughs> In the little uh, Corolla. We're just living our best life. That's, that's what we're doing. Uh-huh. That's how you roll. Yeah. You know, and, and I, love, I love being in the room when, you know, it comes time for that second night. You guys remember the second night when you get to think about your blocks to success and what's holding you back mm-hmm. and you get to work through that. And then we get to that part in the evening where you go on that journey and, and that, that visualization where you start thinking about yourselves and you get to trade places with a parent. And looking at you as the as the son and asking yourself, what kind of a son am I? Because I remember when you came on team and being able to walk back through that, it, it brings every it single brings thing back. back. Yes. Just a great, 
Ailing. Who wrote your letters? My mom, my dad, I believe Jeff did, and my aunt Jamie. And they mean everything, don't they? Mean they mean the world. I still have them. So you came back as the standing a little taller, a little, mm-hmm. little more, a little bolder, oh, you know, yeah. at least speaking up. And I'm sure that even at that age, and it's still tough at that age to really show your love, but obviously you made a shift, which excited your sister to go to class. Yeah. But I remember back at that very moment in time, you were cheering a Weber. Yeah. And, and, and Jeff was, you know, every year we have a, a fundraiser gala. And we've got this guy, you know, Jeff, and he comes up with the greatest gifts ever imaginable to auction off. You know, you go, many of you have ever been to auctions or or galas and things like that for charities. And they've got all these auction items and a lot of them are kind of generic and, and some of them are, you think somebody pulled them out of their re-giving pile in their closet and things like that. But Jeff always had the craziest things, you know, signed, you know, guitars. Shout out to Ron Peterson who bought the Kid, the Rock, Kid Rock, guitar. Rock guitar. Yeah, that, that was definitely a sore moment when there were so many of us wanting that. But, <laughs> but over and over again, every year, you know, just willing and, and just wanting to give and really not knowing really what it was about, just knowing that, you know, it's a positive thing, right? And you just kept giving. And then what happened? Well, I knew it was an unbelievable charity. I knew several people who had gone through the program. And, you know, working at the radio station, we have partnerships with charities all the time. But, you know, this one definitely touched me. Yeah, then I went to class. So we kept thinking, wow, we've got this guy that just keeps showing up and giving. You know, he should really be, you know, part of the board of directors for the program and how we have moved this initiative forward because it had already grown so much just in that short amount of time. And, you know, one piece of criteria of being a board member is you're a graduate of the training that you actually know what's going on and what it's all about because you've experienced it. So yeah, you were, you were given a gift because you'd given so much and you got to go to the class, but who got to go to the class with you? Olivia. And that was awesome being able to experience that with her you know, we only saw each other a few times along the way. It was life-changing for both of us. Yeah, I remember showing up and not knowing what was going on, but I felt comfort because my best friend was with me, and I got to see him when we'd eat and stuff, and it was always such a comforting feeling afterwards. And then after the program was over, going home with him and being able to share with him, and we just chatted the whole way home, like, you remember this part? What'd you get out of this part? Yeah. I think there were several things that were just unbelievable benefits to me, but I think one of the biggest ones was overcoming procrastination. Abby will probably back this up in two seconds. I I think there's still that procrastination thing that wants to rear its ugly head with me still today. But the beauty of it is that was one of the things going through class that I faced head on. And nowadays, once you go through one of these classes, it takes you back. If you're experiencing that in your life on a daily basis, you're that much more aware if you're heading down the wrong path, if the old habits are creeping back in and you more quickly pivot to change that. I mean, we talk about it being leadership training, but that's really what it is. 
is it's just a strong awareness, you know, and we create that awareness. But, you know, I think back to that weekend because it, it just doesn't feel that long ago. And that's when I really, that's the first time I met you, Olivia. And I just remember that class because there were 24 of you in it. And it was a wonderful, magical weekend. And there's a lot of comfort being able to be there with somebody else, even though you're not in the same classroom and whatnot. And most people really believe, you know, that I don't, I don't need that or it's not for me and things like that. And the, the class doesn't have anything about somebody needing something and it really doesn't have anything about there's something wrong with someone. It's never that. It's just always allowing you to see the very best version of yourself. And I remember, you know, that projection test, you remember when they were doing the projection test and, and doing that out there on the patio and, and just the sheer power. Um, because I remember, um, your voice when you came into that class and by the time we got to graduation, I mean, you could hear her. Yeah. I remember something you told me. I was probably the smallest person in the class, just short little voice. And you told me that when I first came in, that I was just this little being. And you said, wow, it's so incredible to see what greatness you hold and how you are actually so big. And I still think about that because sometimes I'm like, yeah, I am small, but there's a lot. And you saying that to me really meant a lot. And this ring business that her dad helped her kind of start to do on the side in his garage, ask her how big it's gotten. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, show me the money. What's going on with the ring business? Let's go ahead and do a shout out. What, what is it? Um, it's called Live Stones. And I started just crystal wrapping when I was in junior high. But ever since I was a little girl, I'd just pick up random rocks off the floor or in the road or we'd go rock hunting and I'd put them in my tumbler. So I've always just loved rocks and started crystal wrapping and then it just went to silversmith working. So basically I have this like two a settling tank and an oxygen tank. And I just pretty much cooking drugs in my garage all the time. Just kidding. <laughs> just burning stuff. I melt a bunch of silver together and then put a stone in it. And it's grown quite a bit. And now I have people from out of Utah getting it. And I'm in three different shops now. Yeah, it's become my only job. I was working somewhere else. And then I went and lived in Hawaii for a while. And then I came back and it just really blew up. So now I have monthly orders that I do. Yeah, a little side hustle. Yeah, I remember when you went to Hawaii. I went there because I thought I wanted to be a marine biologist. And then I went and lived there for a month and realized that Utah's really great and I can't really live without my family. I like to be where the fam's at. They're my bestest friends. Even when I go see my boyfriend in Price and I'm only three hours away, I'm like, oh, really homesick. I miss my mom, I miss my dogs, I miss my brother. And Jeff, my dad. This is where it starts to get fun. Yeah, because, you know, I remember you, uh, Dane, going to class. You've watched Zen go to class, right? Yeah. Then you got to watch Olivia and and Jeff go to class. I want you to think back. You probably don't remember. Do you remember that graduation when Zen went to class? Kind of. I remember standing up and talking, but a little bit. I just remember... I was like, oh, there's a whole bunch of people just yelling, you know, I wasn't sure what was going on. But you got up and you shared anyways yeah, and you yeah. told, and you told your brother that you loved him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
not everybody gets to have older brothers and older sisters and then role models like that. They don't. Right. And, and recognizing that's powerful, but you also, even being the, we one, the runt, it, I guarantee it showed up over and over again that you've been a role model and you've, you've brought, you know, the power and the energy and, and you've been the inspiration to this family. And when you went to class, which wasn't that long ago, last August, yeah, you were the last one of the three amigos, amigas, whatever you got to go with some friends. Yep. Cooper and Cambry. That, that was a pretty cool experience to see. Going into it, I was like, oh, you know, whatever. And then I, I was going through everything and I was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, it's legit. How comforting was it for you though, to show up knowing that they'd all done it already? It was, it was like when I rolled up in the butt or when I got there, I was like, oh, this isn't that bad. Like my brother and sister went through it. I was like, that's oh, just another thing, you know, whatever. I remember the first speech that we had to do. I got up there and I was like, oh, you know, this is another little thing. I still had that mindset like, oh, this isn't anything, you know, I can do this, whatever. I got up there and like stood up and, you know, looked around and I was like, I felt, I was like a deer in the headlights. I didn't know what to do. I was like, oh, oh, here we go. Um, But yeah, you know, from that, what I've got from that is when like for school, for instance, I got to go up and do a presentation and I get up there. I'm just like, it's whatever, you know, like the mindset, it's like, everybody's got to go through it. So might as well just get it done and put your all into it, you know, cause everybody's got to do it. Do you remember your letters? Yes. Olivia, that was the biggest thing from Olivia. Cause she had every single letter. I had a little stone with me and I carried around with me the whole time. And that was awesome. I remember, yeah, I remember everybody who wrote to me and I still have them. I read them sometimes too, but yeah, I think the most powerful letter was probably from coming from my dad. Uh, he's not one to really open up that much, but when I read his letter, it like it blew me away because my knowing my dad, it was like crazy. It was like, wow, he's you know really opening up to me, and the, some of the stuff that he said in there that I wouldn't really think of. It was just really powerful. What did he tell you? Well, uh, one of the key things it was just like he always um, he always refers to me as this little buddy because you know me and my dad are always hanging out. Like he's my best friend. But he was like, whenever I'm on my darkest days, my worst days, I always think about my little buddy Dane, you know, because he's always bringing me happiness and stuff. Um, and that was just a huge thing because, you know, whenever past couple months before hanging out with my dad, before the class, we were kind of going through a couple of rough spots with his um, one of his girlfriends and stuff. And it was just kind of like a little um, different. But coming from my dad, when I read that letter, it was like, or when I even opened it up um, to see that it was my dad, I was like, oh, my God. It just was really powerful. And it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're always watching, you know, that's what we talk about yeah. in the class. It's like people are always watching and, and we don't realize the impact that we have on people just being us and what you were doing for your dad. Um, just being you, you know, and you bring that to everybody in the family, just so everybody knows it's listening, you know, in the class, there's a moment where, you know, there's an opportunity to read some letters from people sometimes in their lives and, and just share. It's just an opportunity to share in a form that we don't often do anymore. And that's through a letter. And any of you that are having a, a challenge of a really communicating your thoughts or your feelings, a good old fashioned letter will do a great job. You know, just sitting down and, and putting those thoughts and feelings on a piece of paper and just giving it to someone because it it never fails. We may have all the right intentions and we have all the right feelings, but sometimes when it comes to actually having the conversation, what actually comes out 
really isn't close to what we're thinking or feeling. And I think back to before you went, Dane, and I remember when Olivia went to Teeny Little Quest because we, we have a lot of teen graduates, but not everybody gets to go to Teen Eagle Quest. So I want you to hear a little bit about that journey. And, and I know you were excited to go to that. Which was probably at one of the most difficult times in all of our lives because what happened at the exact time you went? It was pretty much normal before, but then right. we didn't have our phones or anything. So we got on our phones afterwards and the whole world was just shut down. So we had gone through this whole class. We're all excited for these huge ideas. And we're like, wait, the whole world's shut down. How are we supposed to do anything we want? And, but then we got home and we're like, oh, there's a lot to do COVID. at home. Yeah. So COVID. Yeah. Happened. This was March 17th, I believe through the 19th mm-hmm. of 2020. Yeah. And I remember it so vividly because I was out training a adult leadership breakthrough one class um, the 15th through the 17th, Wednesday through Friday. And I was so excited because that Friday I get to graduate a class. There's all this amazing energy and love and incomes rolling a coach to their retreat and off the coach, everybody comes and it, we had, how many teens were from Utah in that class with you? There probably was about four or five, but some were from Vegas too. Yeah. And my son, Hagen, oh, yeah. was going to le- a teen leadership breakthrough that weekend. So I got yeah, to I see everybody come off the bus. And, and the exciting part about having a, an Eagle Quest class going out with the same time as a teen leadership breakthrough class is you've got all these teen graduates that are very enthusiastic and actually excited to be there and happy. And it really helps with you know all the teens that are coming out to go to teen leadership breakthrough and it's very comforting and they get to spend the whole weekend kind of in a similar form you're not together the whole time but you do get to see each other on breaks and and meals and and help each other and but it it was a very vivid weekend because it was the weekend where you guys were out there and having your graduation which you know was was fun there was a little bit of uh technical difficulty that happened that weekend with the the course but um I remember leaving that it was, that was the day you graduated was the day that they announced everything and and closed Las Vegas. It was like, I didn't even want to be on my phone though. After that, I was like, I don't want to see all this COVID stuff. I feel so enlightened right now. I don't want to read all this negativity. Yeah. But I want you to walk back through that journey because Mm -hmm. there's not that many people that get to go on it. Okay. Um, you know, there's a celebration at the end of that class that, you know, there's a high ropes course and everybody thinks okay, that's the yeah. class, right? But yeah. the class is so much deeper and so much more, you know, and more enlightening than, you know, going on a high ropes course. Okay. I want you to tell a little bit about that journey for you. So explain like how I felt during the Eagle Quest. Yeah. Okay. So um, how did you choose your warrior name? I thought that sometimes I'm a little bit self-centered and don't feel what other people are feeling. And I also wanted to just, instead of looking at myself all the time, I wanted to look at other people. So the feeling in front of the owl was just me feeling other people, being able to help others. And then the owl part was me just observing. Because oftentimes I don't observe before I think, you know. So yeah, I was called feeling owl and that's why I chose it. I remember an activity we did and afterwards, one of the... The on team. Yeah, on team people... They were like, did you learn all of this from teen leadership? And we all were like, oh, crap, we're not showing up right now. We got hit a lot from that. And I even 
felt, I felt so guilty. I was like, I knew I had it in me and why can't I pull it out? And then we went on all of these journeys and stuff. And Teen Eagle Quest was more mental, I would say. Like, yeah, it sounds like it's more active because we're on all of these ropes and jumping off things. But it was completely more mental, which for me personally, mental things are the hardest things. They called them vultures in your head. Am I allowed to share? Yeah, so I want you to put it in perspective. So it it really goes back to the stories we tell ourselves, right? So it's the self-talk that you're talking about right now. And we all have this self-talk and the stories we tell ourselves about how we look or, you know, all those different things. You know, I'm not good enough or, you know, all all the self-talk that adults have on a daily basis. And that's that's what you're talking about. The vultures. Yeah, yeah. the vultures, the the things that are always yelling at you and making you less than. And for me personally, it was just I always thought that I couldn't break through this and that I'm going to have to fight with this. And I was never good enough. And I was weird. And I it was all of these things that I struggled with. You're definitely weird. Yeah, I am weird. And it's awesome. Mm -hmm. It is awesome. But you find out that everyone's weird. Exactly. You know, you're not the only one. And weird can be so powerful. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys love your weird sister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we we wrote letters in this class. We we were out in nature quite often and we went out to this field. And I remember I went as far as I could because I just wanted to write this letter. And I remember I wrote down all these thoughts that I had never brought out. And then I had to go back and explain to the group what that felt like. And then also on another night, Basically, all of the team people were pretending to be vultures and they were. Am I allowed to talk about the. Talk about the outcome you got from it. Okay. Okay. So you have these thoughts, or I should say me. I have these thoughts constantly yelling at me if I'm doing anything like just give up. You I'm doing 75 hard right now. So I'll talk about that. Uh, Just don't drink all that water. It's just too cold outside. You don't have to do that. Or you don't look any better than you do yesterday. Why would you keep going? And so it's all these things yelling at you constantly. And what we had to do is we had to find that higher being in ourselves. Like, yes, I am going to do this. I am going to drink this water. I am. And so just fighting against those vultures was a huge thing for me because they're constantly screaming in your ear and it hurts. And sometimes they say some really rude stuff or convince you to do some really bad stuff to yourself. Or when you're looking in the mirror and you just feel ugly and you keep feeding that. But it helped me to more quickly find that higher person to be like, no, I am beautiful. Look at all this I'm doing helps to connect to more positives. And you guys still haven't, haven't gone yet, but you know, the, the real, you know, deep lessons there are, you know, profound kids, adults though. That's what, that's, what's so crazy. I know that have you're sitting there listening to that process and thinking, you know, you go on this journey to compete And there's just so much self-talk, right? And that's one of the biggest things I guarantee you working through as a coach is not the physical side of this. No, it's totally mental for sure. It's always putting those mean thoughts, pushing them away. It definitely can get the best of you in the history I'm in. Well, especially because how competitive it is and how everyone wants to be in first place. And there's only one person each time that gets to be number one. And all of those other athletes are let down. And they've put in just as much work. They look amazing. Now on a pro stage, everybody looks amazing. How they pick can really tear somebody's self-esteem down until you figure it out. And then once you have it mastered, then it's easy. 
Yep. Getting in front of certain judges who are critiquing based on certain things they're looking for, where a whole set of other ones are different. And it's easy to get caught up in that and think that it's you. And that same thing happens in our relationships. I mean, you guys think about, you guys have had, you know, maybe a girlfriend or two. Um, and it shows up all the time, right? Where maybe you put yourself out there and you get that rejection, right? And, and then what happens? What's the conversation that happens? Or in sports, um, that often shows up in sports or with in school, there's just so many different areas in which it's the self-talk. And, and that's why we talk about it so much is because today with social media and everything, everybody wants to paint the pretty picture and they want to show you, show you everything that's so wonderful and likable, right? Because that's why you like everything. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You just you give it a up. thumbs up or do you give it a thumbs down or do you like it or how you does just it send work? a picture back and it looks good, dude. Or yeah, oh, got it. Yeah, and yeah. usually the picture that he sends back is like some unexpected shot of us <laughs> sitting so around. Mad. It's always snapping. Yeah. Well, that's what they do when they come over to my house. <laughs> Random wandering by snaps. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. But they, it shows up for everyone though. That's the key, right? That's the discussion piece is, you had an opportunity to walk through an experience where you got to get real about your self-talk and you got to fight through that. And then you also got to let go of some of that self-talk, right? What, what were a couple of the things that you let go of? I had fear of what people thought. I had a fear of never being able to change because I always went back to my old ways. I thought I could never change that. And on the ropes, even in life, though, you have these thoughts and it really holds you back. But once I let go of those things, I was able to achieve so much more. And I finally felt comfortable in my own skin. And I thought, yeah, I don't care what people think, because if you put yourself in your shoes, when are you sitting thinking about someone all day about who do you think that person's going to wear that? Do you think that person is going to say this? So you're your worst critic in that and no one's sitting there thinking all day about what you're doing it's only you yeah we say you guys remember in the teen class when we talk about that self-talk and how it shows up all the time and we're so hard on ourselves and and the and the statements made if you had people in your life that talk to you the way that you talk to yourself you really wouldn't keep those people in your life, but yet you allow yourself to continue to do that, continue to talk to yourself and, and being comfortable in your own skin. That's all a parent could ever wish for their child is to hear their child say that I'm comfortable in my own skin and, and to hear him say, you know, I really, truly love myself. It's because it's scary right now. And, and I would say it's really not any different for the boys than it is the girls. It's just the girls are, you know, they're more vulnerable more often and usually um, a little more open to sharing some of those, you know, deep thoughts where, where guys are just like, what, I'm good. I have this gratitude journal and every time Dane walks by my room, I make him do five gratitude things about him. <laughs> and every time he's, his face is bright red and he's like, oh, I don't know. He's sweating. <laughs> and I'm like, what's your most favorite thing about yourself? And then we get to the end. He's like, man, that was really hard for me to say all those things. But he always does. And he always finds the gratitude in everything. And you guys have, have grown up with it. And today it's, it's just like a, a new norm, right? You guys, you guys put whatever you're doing kind of out there to the universe and you find validation or you're, you know, 
self-confidence often from how many people, you know, agree with you or liked what you were doing or gave you a shout out and whatnot. And at the end of the day, who really matters? Yeah. You individually, it's your thoughts, your feelings. And when you have a family like this, it's, it's like, really, what can't you do? You know, I want you, you, Zan, you've, you've been doing a lot. Yeah, you, you really have. You've, you've been out there, you know, testing the waters out there, you know, experiencing some life now since graduating from high school. Yeah. And, and you've really done a lot. I mean, it's, it, yes, it's been what seems like a lifetime for you, but it's only been a you know, a few years it's in been reference. A few years, but it, yeah. it seems like it's been a lot. Um, I went from working retail, selling dirt bike parts, and then I went to building really fast side by sides for a few years, and then went into manufacturing and developing a lot of side by side parts, and that was great. Learned a lot, and then I just started up my own thing, doing graphic design, doing dirt bike kits and that kind of stuff. And I'm grateful that I have my family here because they've actually helped me through the whole entire thing. Um, I mean, I'm the only person at the end of the day that can help me, but they're the people like, hey, wake, wake up. They give you the go. confidence yes. to stand uh-huh. up when you don't feel yeah. like you can. Yep. I mean, we've got to hear quite a bit about, you know, the family uh-huh. and the journey. And I want you guys to think about how thinking about gratitude right now and how grateful you are. But I want you to understand something that not everybody gets to have this wonderful family. They just don't. And And often, I mean, there's so many... Kids, I used to have a strong belief. I mean, when I grew up, I really didn't know anybody that was divorced, uh, that had divorced parents. And, and now today, I mean, it's, it's just very, very common, um, first and foremost. But what isn't always common is the amount of time you get to spend with mom and dad and the bond you have is, you know, brothers and sisters. And, and if you could give one piece of advice, each of you, to somebody who... You know, maybe they're, they're, they don't feel like they have that support or maybe they feel like, you know, because often it's the, the kids feel like it's their fault that, you know, mom and dad aren't together or they had something to do with it or they, they feel like there's just a disconnect or there's, um, they're struggling for that love and appreciation and things like that. If you could give, you know, any words of advice or encouragement to somebody listening that you could help them, you know, work through this. Um, it brings you back to the thoughts in your head. You know what I mean? And then the letters, you never know what you mean to somebody else. Maybe write a letter to them. Yeah. And just, um, always look, like to look at the little things in life. Like you said, it's not about the, what is it? How long you get to spend with somebody. It's not like, about the uh, quantity. It's yeah. about the quality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that just look at the little things in life, you know, like you get to wake up every morning, go to school, you get to, you know, and that's one of those things that, you know, this class taught me. That's probably a huge thing for me. Just um, the gratitude of yeah. what you get to do. Yep. Not what you don't get to do. Yeah. I mean, so many people believe that life is, you know, happening to them. Yeah. And I said that when we started. And at the point we start realizing that, you know, life is usually happening for us. And the tough things in life that really, really challenge and stretch us and, and often leave the scars they have the most value to us and how we move forward. So by it not being the best, you know, thinking about how you can treat other people, right? And when you get to go to school, how are you showing up when you're at school and what kind of a friend are you and whatnot while you're there? My advice for people with divorced parents, I would say to never side on mom or dad's side because if you knew each person's story, 
would be right in the middle. I would say to take it day by day, because obviously it's going to suck and there's going to be a lot of changes, maybe a lot of moving. Maybe you'll have new siblings, maybe you'll have a new parent, and that's a lot. And do your best to accept the siblings and look at the best out of them. And do your best to be open about having a new parent. Personally, that was my hardest thing is having new parents or meeting those new parents. And just know that it's hard on you, but it's also hard on your parents. They really are doing their best. And if they thought that the divorce was a good idea, then you just have to understand this isn't their life you're living. You have to live your own still. So back to day by day, just be happy that you got up and you get to have both parents and they still love you the same. They just weren't working. You know, if JJ was here, he, he loves to say, hey, if you don't have a, a wonderful role model in your life, I mean, you guys think about, you've got multiple, right? You've got each other and you've got just so many of us remember back to like our grandparents and, and things like that. And it's just so those, those people that just really make the difference in how we look at and, and view ourselves moving forward in our lives. You know, Abby, what would you have for advice? You know, any, any advice for, you know, even, even single, a single mom from your perspective in this life, everything that you've gone through and just say the last 14, 15 years, right. With, with kids, you know, teenagers and high school, and there's just so much that goes into it. And that's why you can remember it all so vividly and, and then moving on and, and meeting Jeff and, and creating a new life and, and making the decision to get so, you know, ferociously invested in yourself and the goals and the drive and the determination that that takes. It's just all that stuff encompassing, you know, not everybody works through it in that way. So just a little bit of, you know, feedback or advice for our listeners on, you know, some steps if they're put in that situation or some perspective. So my biggest advice is to have something that is yours and yours only, because at the end of the day, that's, you need to make yourself happy before you can make others happy. And if you don't have something, you need to start searching because I think that's really what saved me. Um, For so many years, I did the blame game. I took it all on. Every emotion my kids felt if they came home from their dads and they were upset, you know, it's my fault because of the choice of the divorce. It was my choice. So for all these years, I've taken that on that and it's been heavy. So I think that's why I got, went down the fitness road is because I needed something that was mine that I could hold on to and help me through those dark times of my life. I would echo that not worrying about all the material things. You know, we all put pressure on ourselves. We want the best things, work hard to achieve that. Sometimes it's not on our timetable. That can be very disappointing, but it can also be unbelievably stressful and send you down the wrong road. And the more I realize, especially lately, what we've all gone through in the past couple of years with COVID and lockdowns and masks and everything else. And loss. And loss. I've become more appreciative of the simple things in my life, which are the, the biggest. And it starts with everyone in this room. And it's always going to be the people. You ever ask somebody on their deathbed, what was the most important to them? And it's never going to be things ever, ever, ever. It's always going to be people. Yeah. I just lost my father in November. You know, we didn't have a great relationship, 
He was in and out of our lives my whole entire life. But I know in my heart that us go with me and my sister going out and paying our respects to him and letting him talk to us and express the love he had for us made the biggest difference. And I know that us going out there and saying our goodbyes, you know, it was the end and he could let go knowing that we were there for him in his last days to see him. And it is, it all boils down to family. JJ talks about that all the time. Uh, you know, when it, when it comes to his goals, he's like, everything I do is so I can spend more time with my family. Yeah. I mean, we, we bury everything in our lives around, I'm doing this for my family and I'm doing that for my family. But at the end of the day, it's like, we just want some time. And so that's where we have to pay attention. And right now you guys are just getting started in your lives and you're just getting fired up and, you know, new businesses and Dane's really focusing on finishing some, some school. You know, there, it, right now it feels like you have your whole life ahead of you and you do. Um, and it's just those moments like, you know, your parents, they don't want you to be around them 24 seven, believe it or not. They just want when you're around them to be there, like really be there. Just even if it's for a few moments, that's what matters. And it's the same thing for them. You know, as, as parents, we, when, when you guys start going on your own path and having your own friends and running around doing all these things, there's a feeling of loss. So we just want that little bit of time that's really meaningful back. And, and, and again, quality, right? That's it. Just really present quality time. So I want you guys to just think for just a moment, you've, you've been through a little bit of, of the storyline in life. And I want you to just focus for the last few minutes here on what's next for you. I love talking about the past because it gives us perspective of where we are today and all the growth that's happened in this family, right? The Catano family and um, the Anderson family. And I want you to think about where you're going and it doesn't have to be five, 10 years from now. It's just like, where are you going right now? Right? As you look forward, what's next for you? Because that's really you know, taking the time to understand our past is very important to, so we understand where we're at. And it's also important to everybody to understand where you're going. Because the people in this room, when you talk about where you're going, they're the ones that are going to be there to help you with it. They're the ones going to be there to tell you it's going to be okay. Keep moving. And I just got to be honest with you right now that your the parents are no different. They've got hopes and dreams and goals and visions. And it's the older you get, the tougher it gets. Doesn't get easier. So what's next? I'll go first. For me, it's just continuing down the path of building myself personally. Again, I hate to keep going back to the past two years, but it's the most trying times we've ever, uh, any of us have ever gone through in our lives. We've never had or experienced the kinds of things that have gone on the past couple of years. I mean, you've been working from a closet. Yeah, true. So I've already started having unbelievably more appreciation for the small things in my life. I always think nowadays about how tough it is, but to not slip, putting more responsibility and accountability on myself to not slip and go backwards. Um, but that's my focus. My focus is mainly just keep going strong, um, a lot stronger than I have been going. I hold accountability. Just focus on one thing instead of focusing on multiple things. Take it one step at a time. 
So where do you see yourself in, in two years from now? In then? two years, physically, mentally, it, it's healthy. Um, successful. I'm happy. I'm my person. I've always dreamed of being for me, um, is strengthening my relationships with like my family and getting to spend more time with Olivia or my mom and just really being able to really cherish the moments and connect with my family members. And yeah, just be more open with everybody in my family and strengthen the relationships. Uh, where I could see myself in two years from now, I'd be graduated high school. Um, Yes. Early, actually. I'm going to graduate yeah, early. I was going to say. I'll be in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, actually, um, doing an internship to be an uh, electrical engineer, which is, it's kind of scary to think about because I'm going to be there, you know, by myself, no family. But yeah, in two years from now, I'm going to see myself, you know, setting up my for the rest of my life. Two years from now, I hope we're in a home. We will be in a home. Yeah, you're going to be in, in your in your new home. In our new home. Uh, yeah, we've been a little tight in our town home. And continuing to change people's lives for the better. Be a help to my kids whenever I can be. Um, I hope to be, I will be stronger with my mental talk and being more powerful to myself. Like Dane said, strengthening my relationships with all those around me. Because you really never know what's going to happen that day and, and to work on my last conversations with every person I have to be, I love you and never to leave with unresolved things. Also, I see myself finishing 75 hard. Yes. Which Brett did. Yeah, Brett just finished. Um, and I will grow my business even more. Two years, I'll have my bachelor's and I believe I'm going to, get my master's i'm not sure on my career yet but i may be a teacher one day so possibly might have my majors by then or my masters yeah it makes me feel like i have a lot of work to do <laughs> <laughs> on behalf of everybody listening um i know i told you guys when you when we started tonight if you just put it out there and and share that you know the reward is you'll have this for the rest of your life and and what an opportunity just to sit down as a family and just share a little bit right um, and encouraging anybody out there to do the same thing, just spend some time opening up and sharing. And it is harder than you think, but I know that it's worth it. I just want to thank you guys for, for being here tonight. And I know that Jeff's been excited about this since really we started doing the podcast, right? Been really excited about doing this, but it does take a lot of courage to come in and just speak openly and let other people listen a little bit about our lives. So thank you for doing that. Thanks for having us. When's, when is the Johnston episode? You know, um, uh, I'm, I'm excited for that to happen. <laughs> I don't know. I mean. One day. Yeah. So, so Peyton turns uh, 14 this year. So I've got another year till. So she won't get to go this summer, but the next summer. There you go. I'll get Peyton in class and then I just got diesel. So. So we're putting it on the books. Thanks, Brett. Thanks for listening to the Empowering Youth Podcast. You can. Uh, Follow us at buildingutah.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks for listening again tonight. Respect, integrity, passion, personal power, leadership, enthusiasm. This has been the Empowering Youth Podcast from Building Utah Youth. To become part of the 3%, visit Building Utah Youth on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or on our website at buildingutahyouth.com.